He has never let us fall. And that you will see us through into 2024 what I believe is going to be the most victorious year yet. And so right now, we sow into eternal things. We sow into the future because the wise man looks ahead to the future. And so right now, that's what we do. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, hey, there you go. You just got to move it to just the right spot. Well, I just wanted to start this morning with actually a PSA. Um, yesterday afternoon, if you'll go to that first slide for me, uh, the crews were prepping the, the big ball in New York City for the drop in Times Square, and there was a, a hydraulic failure that happened at 10.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the ball dropped. And so technically, we are already in 2024... <laughs> So I would like to be the first to wish you a happy new year, and please set your clocks and watches accordingly, okay? So, uh, no, normally I'm not a topical style preacher, I, I, I enjoy uh, expositorily going into a text, but today um, I am going gonna, gonna to preach topically, because I, I think we're standing, you know, being on the precipice of a new year, um, it just carries so much hope and opportunity, doesn't it? People get excited about the new year. People set goals for the new year. It's like, the, it's like you have a book of 365 unwritten, untouched pages that are just like waiting to be uh, uh, taken on. I remember in school, I would always get the spiral notebooks, the new ones, you know. You start at the end of August or September, early September, and you're like, I'm going to keep my notes so neat and my handwriting is going to be so nice. And by the end of week one, it was like doctor's handwriting all over it and I had scribbled. A, you know, you have the best intentions and we look at this uh, year to come and we have these wonderful intentions and thoughts and and uh, I found something though. We have all this positive energy looking at the new year, but I was reading people's posts and this isn't just this year, this is over many years. You look back, especially looking at like 20, when we moved into 2021 and things like that, but then I'd say it's at least five to one. The posts I see looking back at the prior year are people, they, they look like a bunch of black rain frogs. A black rain frog, by the way, I just came across this picture. This is what a black rain frog is. They live in South Africa, and they have this perpetually frowning face, right? And that's what I see most people's posts about the prior year as. Thank goodness that one's over. How many have ever heard of that one? Or 
see you later 2023, won't miss you, that kind of thing, right? We see people excited to just get rid of that old year and to move on. And uh, it, this is kind of that perpetual expression I see from people when they're looking at the last year that just happened. Good riddance, we'll see you later. Uh, it's because we always seem to let ourselves down in the prior year. We have these, these lofty goals, these lofty things we want to accomplish, and we let ourselves down. So uh, the year doesn't meet our expectations in so many ways. Sometimes it's things that are outside of our control, but oftentimes it is. Um, and so I, I entitled this message, The Year of the Comeback. Year of the Comeback. God's not done with us. And, uh, and, and so uh, clean slates and fresh starts are important. Uh, marking time with a new year uh, and a new season... That's not unique to us. That's not unique to Western culture or, or America or anything like that. Um, it goes way back. As a matter of fact, Israel was commanded by God to celebrate new starts of new seasons. Um, God instructed them to have celebrations and holiday, holidays recognizing the close of one season and the beginnings of new ones. Um, in Numbers 10.10, 10, God commands them. He says, blow the trumpets in times of gladness too, surrounding them at your annual festivals or sounding them at your annual festivals and at the beginning of each month. And blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and peace offerings. The trumpets will remind your God of his covenant with you. I am the Lord your God. So these, these celebrations were to remind the people, but he also says it's going to remind God of his covenant to you. That's interesting, huh? And so here we see uh, this... this uh, remembrance. Now, the Hebrew calendar doesn't work like ours. It was a lunisolar calendar based on the stages of the moon and the sun, and so it was kind of ever-changing in some ways, depending on what those were. Uh, but the law instructed Israel to celebrate not just New Year's, but new months, too. So each month they'd have a celebration to celebrate the kickoff of that. And so the term uh, New Year doesn't actually occur in Scripture, uh, uh, in the Torah, but there are four different year marking celebrations that they held the first was called Rosh Hashanah which literally means the head of the year and so they would celebrate this it was a day of remembrance and it was used for calculating calendar years and also jubilee cycles um, if you're we maybe one Sunday I'll preach about what jubilee is and how that, that and what that means to us but that's how they marked those things then they had another festival they called Shabbat which was a yearly mark for the agricultural cycle and the marker relating to their tithes when they were to bring the tithes in then they had another uh, celebration called the celebration of Nisan now that's not related in any way to Toyotathon or Honda days this was a different Nissan, and it was for calculating when major festivals would fall through their year, as well as measuring how long a king's reign was. And then they had a fourth one that was used for animal tithes and measuring that. So they measured full year cycles with these special holidays. So clearly God understood the value of these moments. They're moments that we look back and we remember what's happened, and remember what God has done, but it's also to reset and recalibrate, to recenter ourselves. Because how many of us know that uh, mission creep happens in our life? We set off with the best of intentions, and before you know it, we're going down this way. And so it's a time when we, when we celebrate New Year's. It's it, often done with good intentions, and we mess up. But it's there for a reason. We are called to reset, recalibrate, and recenter. So as we get ready to step into this new year, there are three things this morning that I want to challenge you with, New Life, so that it's not just a year like any other. When we get to the end of it, we go, good riddance, 2024. 
peace out, glad I'll never see you again, but rather uh, we, can, we can actually look at it as a comeback year and as a marker way down the road, we can say, remember 2024, what God did, the progress he did in my life, the growth that I saw. So, so I believe that this year will be a year of growth for you. It'll be a year of growth for me that God is going to do something profound in your life. Psalm 27, 23. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. Also, this is in the Bible app. If you have the Sunday links, you can follow along with all the verses I'm going to be referencing. Psalm 27, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I love that. I love that God delights in the details of your life, the minutia of your life. Even that, God's like, yeah! Look, they're making cereal. God takes delight in even the details of our life, but then it says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. So the first thing I call you to is this. Trust the Lord with your steps. In this next year, in 2024, trust the Lord with your steps. Here's the thing. Steps are not destinations. I think sometimes we read this verse or interpret it as, trust the Lord with where you're going. Steps are not destinations. How many of us have ever asked the question, God, where am I supposed to be right now? Or God, what is your purpose for my life? That's a big one. What is your purpose for my life? And we, we go, God, I want to know where you're taking me. I want to know the end point destination. Um, questions of destination are enormous. But God, the Bible tells us, directs our steps. He directs our steps. If you drop someone in the middle of nowhere, I don't know if you ever, uh, back in the day, watched, uh, is it Man vs. Wild with Bear Grylls, and they'd just drop him in the middle of nowhere, and he'd have to find his way back. If you take the average Joe and drop them in the middle of the wilderness, do you know what they do? They'd panic. Right? Or take this. If the, maybe this was you as a kid. How many of you ever got lost in the mall as a child? Your parent got separated from your parents, and the panic that fills your little heart... I'm going to have to live in the mall from now on. This is my new home. Do you know what's so scary about that and what causes fear? It's not because uh, there's nowhere to go. It's because there's too many ways to go. It's not that there's nowhere you can go. It's that there's so many ways you could possibly go when you're in these situations, right? You, l- listen, church, this is so important. And I, I came up with this on my own. And I'm so proud of it. We don't need the destination. We need the direction. We don't need the destination. Sometimes we're like, God, I need you to tell me exactly where I'm going so I can get there. We need God to give us direction. And he will direct the steps. And so so we we need his direction. God says when we pursue him, he will direct our steps. So don't get ahead of ourselves and start demanding from God that that destination, when it's not yet that time. When I look back at the last year, I don't think Brent in January would know exactly how everything would fall with Brent in December extrapolate that out just five years. I would, it would have blown my mind to see where my life would be at just five years ago. Think about your own life. Some things that are really painful and hard, if you knew they were coming, I don't know how we could feel like we could handle that. Some things that are so big, we feel like, how could I tackle that? But when God directs our steps, we don't need to know the ultimate destination yet. We need to know the direction and the steps and trust Him in that. In his book, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Charlie Mackesy illustrated a picture. He picture, drew a picture of this boy with his horse. And he's in this deep, dark woods. And he, the boy says to his horse, I can't see my way through. And the horse asks him, yes, it's a talking horse. The horse responds and says, can you see your next step? The boy says, yes. And he says, well, then take it. 
Sometimes we say, God, I can't see my, my way through. But God says, do you trust me with the steps that I've ordered for you? Then take your next step. Trust me with this next step in this year. For many of us, the courage isn't taking that next step. That step of obedience to God, trusting that he has them ordered for the next season. You see, we get overwhelmed by the size of our goal or the distance that we feel like we have yet to go. Or maybe the place that we wish we were. And that gets discouraging when the end goal seems so out of reach, doesn't it? When it seems so far away, when the thing that we want to accomplish, the place we want to be, seems so far away, it gets discouraging. But what does Jesus remind his followers of in Matthew chapter 6? This is actually a whole dissertation he gives here, but in verse 34 he says, So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Trust God with today. Trust God with this moment, with this place he has us, and that he will see you through tomorrow. But it's about forward momentum. It's about forward steps. Let me tell you, God cannot direct the steps of someone who's not stepping. It's like trying to steer a car that's not in motion. You can move that wheel back and forth all you want, but you're going nowhere. Step out in faith. Give motion to that faith and believe God for it. Trust that those steps are progress. We like big measurables. We like, I like a quick return on investment myself. I like seeing quick results. I, I will go exercise, and then I will immediately be like, is it there? Is it there? Right? Um, there's, there's a guy named Simon Sinek. He's a, he, he's a communicator, and uh, he, he kind of just gives uh, insight into how we have systems in our life and things like this. And he said, if you go to the gym and you work out, and you come home and look in the mirror, you will see nothing. But if you go the next day and you work out, and you come home and you look in the mirror, you'll see nothing. So clearly, this is not an effective thing you're doing, right? Clearly, this is pointless. But if you fundamentally know these steps are the right thing to do, and you commit yourself to it consistently, I'm not sure exactly what day it is, but one day you look in the mirror and things have changed. It's a commitment to the consistency. It's a commitment to the process more than just looking for that immediate payoff. You see, we need to pursue the process, not just the goal. Pursue the process, not just the goal. Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Underline that if you can underline in your Bible. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Underline this too. If we don't give up. He's admonishing the church. Don't give up. Keep doing what is good. You will reap a harvest, but don't give up. Keep pushing through at the right time. We like to say at my time. But what does Paul say? At the right time. But I would rather it be my time. But at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So if you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord this year, how many of us would say, Pastor Brent, I want my relationship with the Lord to grow this year? Five of us. Yes, six, seven. Good, good. More hands are going up. Most of us would say, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord this year. Let me tell you, commit to the process of pursuit of God. Not just that you want to arrive at spiritual maturity. That is the goal, right? Not just that we want to be there, but also engage in the development of those spiritual habits, of the disciplines. The process is part of the goal. 
it, it trains ourselves in, in the disciplines of following God. So, so often we say, I want to be a, 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 a spiritually mature follower of Christ, like Pastor Bruce or, or, or like David or, or one of these uh, elders or people. I want to have that spiritual maturity. Why am I not there? Engage with the process even, even as much as your goal. Because if we don't love the process, if we don't engage with the process and we don't reach that goal, we'll give up, we'll throw in the towel. Clearly this isn't working. And so this is the call to pursue the process. Do you want to strengthen your relationship with your spouse? Commit yourself to the process of pursuing them and loving them. Not just the end goal of a healthy relationship, that's a good thing. But pursue the process of of loving them well. Of sacrificially loving. And then see where the health of the relationship goes. Engage with the process. You see... When we depend on inspiration, it's going to fail us. I think many of us, I'm going to use this exercise uh, illustration a lot. I think many of us would have moments of inspiration with exercise. And we, like, Rome is built in a day. We exercise for like an hour and a half, two hours. We're like exhausted. But then the next day comes and we're sore and we're tired. Do we go back? The inspiration's not quite as strong. But when we engage with the process, Beyond just the emotion, when we say it's emotion and inspiration will fail us, but when I commit to the consistency is when we see growth. Entrust your steps to the Lord this next year, and when you look back, you'll see where he's taken you, even if those steps feel small. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 2, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. This is my second call for the church today. Surround yourself with like-minded people. If you have these goals, these steps that you're taking, you need to surround yourself with like-minded, like-gold people. I'm not talking about placing ourselves in an echo chamber, right? Where we're just hearing a bunch of yes men and people that agree with all our, our perspectives and all this. But let me tell you, we need to have people that are moving in the same direction if we want to be successful. What happens if you get in a rowboat? Um, my family think we're going to go see that movie, Boys in the Boat, where they're all rowing, right? What happens if half the boat is rowing the other direction? What are you doing? You're spinning around and around and around. And so often we partner ourselves, maybe it's not just with a spouse, but with people we spend our time with, and they are trying to move in the opposite direction of what our goals are. If your goals are eating healthy and taking care of yourself, but you have friends that their favorite place to go is the donut shop every day, you're moving in opposite directions. If you want to pursue God with all of your heart, but your friends have no desire for the things of God, and they're moving in opposite directions, are they going to push you forward and propel you towards godly things? Surround yourselves with people that have like-minded goals. The flourishing life of a believer cannot be lived out isolated or as a lone wolf either. You might say, well then fine, I just won't have those friends, but I don't have any other friends. I'll just do this on my own. Let me tell you, there are no islands of people following Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We're not, we're, we're, we are a tribe. We're not isolated individuals. We are, we are together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12, probably a section of verses you're very familiar with. It says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. How can one be warm alone? 
A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Who are you bound together with? Who are you united with? Who are you bound with? You see, the right people will help keep us on the right track. I love what that says. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Sometimes we need someone who will be encouraging to us when we feel like giving up. How many of us have ever been on the edge of just throwing in the towel? Saying, I I, I give up. Maybe it's with a relationship. Maybe it's on your own life. And there's someone that said, do not give up. And they were in your corner. We need each other. The California Department of Mental Health issued a report that said, if you isolate yourself from other people and you never develop close, intimate relationships, you're three times more likely to die an early death. You're four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You're five times more likely to be clinically depressed. And a person, who is, ten, a person is ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder if you are isolated. We are not meant to walk this life alone. Sometimes we feel like, but that protects me from getting hurt. And there are real risks of opening our hearts, opening our lives to someone that could possibly wound us. But we are not meant to walk th- this life alone because uh, we, we, the, the vulnerability is actually what creates intimacy. And when you're weary and when you're discouraged, when you don't know if you can take another step, that's when we need a brother or we need a sister who's going to say, I'm here with you. And they're not just here with you to say, pick yourself up and keep going, but they're here to actually reach down and pick you up. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Not just to say, come on, come on, come on, come on, but to actually reach down into the muck with you and say, let's get up together and go. We need one another. Uh, when Gavin, a couple years ago, had a coach in basketball, and whenever one of the players would fall down, and they'd start to get up, he'd say, stay on the ground. I thought, that's a weird thing to yell. But he'd insist that a teammate go over and pull him up to build that camaraderie that you don't get up on your own. Let me tell you, that's a, that was a great lesson for me to watch as these kids were just naturally want to pop up and keep going. But after the play, he said, stay on the ground. Have your teammate help you up. Is there someone that's ready to help you up? Sometimes we need someone who's going to tell us the truth even when it stings. Proverbs 18.1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When we isolate ourselves... We break out against sound judgment. Are you aligning yourself with someone that's pulling with you towards where you want to be? Or are they pulling you back towards your lowest common denominator? Maybe they are just tickling your ears with the words you want to hear. Are they propelling you towards godly things? Are they propelling you towards living out righteously? Are you aligning yourself with someone that's pulling you towards the right direction? Proverbs thirteen twenty: Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Some in this room today, I'm going to speak directly. You have some relationships you need to shut down. You say, but they're my friend. They've been my friend for X and X amount of years. Has it been a positive relationship in your relationship with God? Or has it been destructive? Has this been something where they are propelling you to succeed in your walk with the Lord? Or is this something where... uh, you're, 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 if you succeed, you're succeeding in spite of someone, not because of them. Do you hear me? Well, this is a fun word. Are we surrounding ourselves with people in which we succeed because of them or in spite of them? Colossians 3 
10 through 11. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. This is my last point here. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Make Jesus the center point of your life. That's a simple statement, and it seems so basic at its core, but how often is this really practiced, right? Here, here we just read, Christ is all that matters, but, but we can say that, we can proclaim it, but how often is that really lived out in practicality? We can say Jesus is number one, but where does he stand in terms of our pocketbook? If you were to go and take your bank statement and do a, a, a breakdown, uh, an, uh, an audit of your pocketbook, where would Jesus be in the terms of your spending? I'll tell you where mine goes, mostly. To be honest, we have priorities. The best way you can find what your priorities are is where your finances go, where your time goes, and where your talent goes. And so where, first of all, where, where, does, where do we see our pocketbook reflected? Secondly is where does God stand in how we use our talents and our giftings? And that might be spiritual giftings, that might be natural giftings. Maybe you're a gifted carpenter or a gifted electrician or a gifted whatever it might be, artist, a musician, all these different things. With your giftings, how is that being played out? How is that being reflected? Is it giving honor to God? Is he at the center? Or is it he's superfluous and kind of on the outside and he gets what's left? And where does he stand in the spaces of your Google calendar, if you were to look at it, however you keep a calendar? How does he stand in terms of your time? Did you know that uh, the average American, or I won't say average American, 30% of Americans on average is what I meant to say. 30% of Americans on average go to church occasionally. And by occasionally, that means one to two times a month typically. And they consider that, that pretty regular. Now, if you were to extrapolate that out, if you go to church one to two times per month, that is about 12 to 24 hours a year. That's crazy that we're giving God in the house of the Lord 12 to 24 hours a year. How many of us in this room brush our teeth? Come on, please, please. This is this is a <laughs> this is a poll so you know how closely to greet someone after church, okay? When when you brush your teeth, you're supposed to do that at least twice a day, right? Yeah. And, and they say it should be about two minutes each time you brush your teeth. If you extrapolate that out, that's about 12 to 24 hours a year that you spend brushing your teeth. So we are spending, for many people, just as much, if not more, time on our mouth hygiene than our relationship with God. So Jesus at the center, has to grow by being intentional. It's not accidental. You don't fall into a deep, meaningful, powerful, empowered relationship with Jesus and go, how did this even happen? I don't know, but this is great. Let me tell you, it's intentional. It's purposeful. And it takes time and diligence and effort. And let me tell you, that's done through real, executable plans. It's done through real executable plans it's not it's not let me tell you sometimes we have these lofty ideas and we say well what's that look like i don't know i just want to know him more that's not measurable how's your how, what do you want your relationship with god to be like 
really good, better. Well, what's that look like? I don't know. I just want more, I guess. Let me tell you, we need real executable plans. And so here's what I'm calling us to. This is a very practical message today. This, this is probably isn't going to be a come to the altar and weep and wail type message. I, I apologize. Next week, I'll have a good weeper wailer. I promise. But here's the deal. We need to have sometimes just a very analytical, here's what I'm going to do to grow. And so this is my challenge for you today. What is your executable plan to grow in your relationship with God this year? What are those steps that you want to take to see that growth, that destination, come into being real? So, are you going to be in a life group this winter? We're starting our life groups. How are you going to spiritually be nurtured and grow and grow in relationship? Are you going to do a life group this winter? Let me tell you, we do four sessions of, four eight-week sessions of life groups. We've got life groups that meet on campus. We've got life groups that meet off campus. We've got life groups that meet on Wednesday nights when there's kids and youth activities so you can be in a life group without kids being around and you can focus on your, 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 your growth. How are you going to do that? There, we have opened up as many days and times as possible to make it so everybody can be in a life group. That is a real measurable. I'm going to be in a life group this winter. And then I'm going to be in the spring semester for eight weeks. And I'm going to be in the summer semester. And I'm going to be in the winter semester. I'm going to make being in the house of God a priority, not an option. Even when my team is playing. I think everybody's got a DVR. I just don't look at ESPN on my phone when, I, when I'm on my way home. I turn off the radio and then I enjoy the game. Let me tell you, make being in the house of the Lord your priority. Make being in the house of God your number one engagement. Let me tell you this. Also, what is your devotional plan? We have a church devotional plan that we walk through. We just are wrapping up next Sunday, I'm, or this, this next week, I'm going to be sending out our next devotional plan online and on our social medias. Engage with a Bible reading plan that grows you, that you spend personal time in the Word. So say, this is my goal, to take on a devotional plan. Maybe I'm going to pray for at least five minutes. Maybe that's your starting point. Five minutes is awesome. But don't just say, I'm going to pray for five minutes right before I go to sleep. Set a time. I'm going to pray at this time. And I challenge you to do it in the morning because when we do it at night, we, we just we, we hit the sweet presence of Jesus on that pillow. And we're slain in the spirit until 7 a.m. the next day. (laughs) Set a time where it's focused and not lying down unless, you know, just on your knees before God saying, I'm going to focus on the Lord. Set that time, such and such a clock. And then lastly, I'm going to find someone and have a real conversation with them about being my accountability partner. And when I say accountability partner, it's not someone looking over your shoulder waiting for you to fail with that cattle prod to just tell failure 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 you're messing up i'm talking about someone that says they're going to spur you on to success cheer with you pick you up when you're down say i am on your side who is that person i'm going to find that person measurable growth we can have these plans and goals but don't just make them amorphous ambiguous numbers did you know that studies have been done and you are 42 percent more likely to succeed when your goals are written down 42 percent more likely How hard is it to write it down? So here's my challenge for you. Let's write them down. In just a minute, we're going to do our connection cards together. And I want you to write down some real things with me, okay? Write down some real things. But here, before we do, I want to challenge you with this. Do not throw in the towel when you fall down. That's our tendency. How many of us have ever had a big goal for New Year's? We set a resolution, and then in the first week, we fail, and we go, ah, forget it. 
Or maybe a couple days pass, and then we really think, I oh, forget it. I'm so far behind, I can't even catch up. And we throw out the re- we throw out the whole rest of the book. Maybe you know we're using that book illustration. We throw the rest out because we don't like how we wrote a certain page or maybe a, a chapter. So let me, Proverbs twenty four sixteen says this: The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Do not give up on yourself. If you miss a day of devotions, if you miss a day of prayer, if you fail in an area and you say. I messed up. Let me tell you. Welcome to human- being human. That's, that's going to happen. Pick yourself up again. The, I love that it says the godly. It doesn't say just the average Joe. It's people who are pursuing God and have a heart after him. They're going to fall down too, but we pick ourselves up. That's what differentiates the godly from anyone else. You see, so many goals and dreams are sabotaged because we feel we failed at one moment. But don't write off the rest of the book. God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient if you fall down. If God hasn't given up on you, then don't give up on yourself. His grace is sufficient. So let's get out our connection cards right now, church, together. Go to nlcchurch.com slash connect, or uh, you can use the, the ones on the seat back in front of you. And this is going to maybe create some vulnerability, but here's what I will tell you. We are not going to email this out to people. This is between you and the Lord. But I I will say that our elders are going to pray over all of these that come in. Just that there will be success in this, okay? That there's going to be growth in this. That you are going to see those steps succeed as you trust the Lord with it. So here's what I want you to answer in the comment section of that connection card. First of all, if you're new with us, let us know you were here for your first time. We're going to make a donation on your behalf to feed one. It goes into some of the neediest parts of the world. It gives the hope and love of Jesus to those that it comes into contact with. And it also gives food, clean water, and an education to children. So thank you for letting us know it's your first time. We hope it's the first of many in ministry together with you. But secondly is this. If you, if you are making this decision in the comments section, what can we be praying with you about in these areas? First of all, how are you going to grow? What are the measurables that you want to see in your life? Are you planning towards being in a life group this winter? Write that down. How many... Sundays a month, do you aim to be in the house of the Lord? I would pray that it's every Sunday. What's your devotional plan going to look like? Are you going to join the church on a devotional plan? Is it in the Bible app? Is it a devotional you're going to get at a store that's going to lead you through? What's your devotional plan? What's your prayer plan? What time are you going to start? Write all these things down. I'm serious. Write down. I'm going to pray at this time every day. Before the kids are up and starting their Pop-Tarts and all those things, I'm going to spend time in prayer. And who is a person, or I need to find a person, to have that conversation about accountability with and growth with? So as you write those measurables down, I'm going to pray over us that God would guide our steps as we go into 2024. I am believing that we are not going to look back at this year like we see so many times before and people say, thank goodness that's over. But we'll say, thank goodness for what God's done. Glory to glory is what I believe we're going to be moving into. Amen. Lord, I pray right now as we respond with real, written, actionable items. Don't allow us to be just passive in this world. Just watch it go by. And wherever we end up is where the wind takes us. But Lord, that we would be anchored to the rock. And that we would be purposeful in our steps. That the steps of the righteous would be ordered of God and we would trust you in them. And that as we step out, We would see development and growth 
Perhaps it's in the care of the temple that we have been entrusted with. Perhaps it's in uh, the relationships that we have in our charge. Perhaps it's in uh, our professional development. But most of all, Lord, in our relationship with you, that we would thrive in our walk with Christ. That we would go deep. That we would have roots that go deep. That we would be unswayed by the things in this world. But that we ourselves would be those who lead others to to the rock, the one who is our salvation, the one who is our everything. That, Jesus, you would be the center of it all this year. And we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you finish filling those out, let's stand together. I want to send you out with a blessing. This is uh, a Mosaic blessing. Actually, he had his brother Aaron pray it over the people of Israel. And I want to pass it on to you. I believe that there's power in blessings. So right now, will you lift your hands up? I want to pray over you as your pastor today as we step out into this new year. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go with God today. God bless you, New Life Church.